want to start out this morning talking about the iconic days of television. And you want to, what's the iconic days of television? That's before smart TV. That's before color TV. It's back in the days of black and white. It's black in the days of antennas. It's black in the day, back in the days of three channels. It's back in the days where you could get a test pattern if you turned on the TV at midnight. Uh, you know, I'm talking about back in the day, you know, iconic television. And there was a show back then. It was hosted by an iconic host named Gary Moore. And Gary, the name of the show was I've Got a Secret. Oh, you, some of you have seen Iconic TV. That's good. That, I've got a, a secret. And, and the way that the show worked was that they had the, uh, the guest host, who was Gary Moore, and they had four celebrity judges. And, you know, people who watch The Voice today and they have four celebrity judges think that's something new. That is, there's nothing new in them four celebrity judges. And they would bring the contestant out and they would ask a series of yes or no questions. And as they ask the series of questions, they're supposed to figure out what the secret is. And it's always amazing, or it's embarrassing, or it's unusual, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's how it works. And, and uh, you know, think, well, how much fun could that be? Well, you know, the show was on TV from 1952 to 1967, so it must be, like, kind of fun. And it was in the top 30 shows for 10 of those years. And, and so what I thought we would do, since we're talking about secret disciples today, is, is to, to play a little game of, of I've got a secret. Does that sound like a good time? Uh, sound fun? Oh, you ready for this? Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the celebrity judge. You're going to be the contestant. I'm going to ask you the question, except more like a statement. And you say yes or no, and, and you keep your own score, all right? So I'm, you know, so not going to ask for a show of hand after or anything. You keep your own score. Uh, so, so here we go. The answer is yes or no. Okay. First question is this. I believe Christianity has credibility. Okay, well, you know, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> in fact, I would hope be a little louder than that, actually. <laughs> <you know? laughs> All right. Kind of mark it up in my eye. Okay. So, yeah, I believe Christianity is good. Okay, the second uh, question. You don't, have, you don't have to answer out loud. This good. Because uh, uh, it might get a little bit more embarrassing as we go along here at the end. <laughs> so, all right. Second question is this. You know, as I look at Jesus, I am interested and intrigued by Jesus. Yes or no? Third question. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> the third question is this. I believe that Jesus' teachings put forward a beautiful path of truth for my life. I believe Jesus' teachings put forward a beautiful path of truth for my life. Yes or no? Fourth question is this. I believe that I should use my faith in making decisions about my life, even hard decisions about my life. Yes or no? Fifth question. I believe that I should speak the truth in love. I should speak the truth in love, even in difficult conversations in my life. Yes or no? Sixth question. 
I believe that there are times when I should stand up for what is right, even if it comes at personal risk to me. Yes or no? You can see why I didn't kind of want to keep on going with the yes, you know, <laughs> because, you know, you know, if, if my intention, I hope you kind of experienced that as easy to more difficult. That was the intention of the questions, is to kind of take us from this place and begin to say, okay, it has credibility. Yes, I believe it's a pathway to truth. Okay, what does that mean in my life? What path does that take me down? Because really what you begin to look at is that as you, as you move down that path, it takes us from a place of looking about inner devotion to Christ and how does that relate to outer demonstration of our faith in Christ how does inner devotion relate to outer demonstration how does my private faith that you have in your heart relate to the public expression of faith in the context of your life and and how do those two things come together in my life and in your life and do we feel the challenge of that? Do we feel the pull of that? Because I want to tell you, all of us walk those lines. Every one of us do answer those questions. Not, not to me and not to you right now. We answer those questions when we go out there and, and you live week in and week out, day in and day out. We answer those very questions by, by how we live. I tell you. And sometimes as you begin to explore all of that, you realize that that's not easy. It's not easy. And so I want to tell you a secret since we're kind of playing the I've got a secret. Here's my secret. Sometimes when I start living into those questions, I just want to be a secret disciple. Well, I think you hit the nail on that. There are some times where I just want to be a secret disciple. Like, what is a secret disciple? Joseph um, of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they were the, the test cases in the scriptures. Being a secret disciple goes way back in the Bible, goes back to Jesus' day. And, and here's the situation with regards to both of those uh, fellows. You know, what you find out is both of those fellows are influential people, they are educated. They are wealthy. They are powerful. They sit on what is called the Sanhedrin, which is like the city council, you know. And they are ones who make decisions. They are influential people, both of them. Both of them are believers. It says in the scriptures that, uh, in the scripture we read this morning that Joseph says, it says he was a disciple. And of Nicodemus in the third chapter of the Gospel of John, it says when he came to Jesus, he came and said to Jesus, Rabbi, I know that you're the Son of God. No one can do the things that you do unless they come from God. And so you have two guys who are influential, two guys who are believers, and two guys who are both afraid. It says in the Scripture that Joseph was a secret disciple because of the fear of the Jews, because of his fear. And what you find with Nicodemus, it says he came to Jesus by night. And I guarantee you why he came by night, because he didn't want to be seen in the day. That's why he came by night. You know, and what you have going on here, okay, influential, believers, and afraid. And so they put those three things together, and when they put those three things together, what they decided to do is they decided, you know, the way to make that all work 
is that just, I'm going to be a secret disciple. <laughs> that, that's how to put those three things together. That's how to make that all fit together. That's how to, how to make that work. And, and what they find is that that's not easy. It's not easy to, to be a secret disciple because, you know, you have to put yourself in their place a little bit. They're sitting around in the city council and town council. They're talking about Jesus and all the stuff that Jesus has done. And I can guarantee you Jesus was a topic of conversation because of all the stuff that Jesus did, which is usually kind of stirring the pot. And so he stirs the pot, and there's a time in there where Nicodemus stands up for Jesus. You know the song, Stand Up for Stand Up for Jesus? Well, he tried that out. And when he tried that out in John chapter 7, it didn't work so well. You know, in fact, he kind of got his head handed to him, and, you know, he was kind of going to sit back down and, you know, <laughs> sit down and shut up and don't do, don't do that again. And, and so you kind of get the sense of that's how Nicodemus began to play. I'm going to be a secret disciple from here on out. And I can guarantee you in the events that led up to what the scripture we read, it got harder and harder for those two guys sitting around that council because Jesus comes along and he casts the money changers out of the temple. That's like me coming into the church. I'm going to throw out the collection plates. Is that good, Ed? No more collection plates in church. No, no, that doesn't, that's not a way to make people happy, is it? No. <laughs> no. And, and, and then he comes along and Jesus says, well, I'm going to tear the temple down. Oh, beautiful place. I like it. Well, this has gone away. You know, I, you know, and so they're sitting in meetings where they're talking about this kind of stuff. And, and Joseph and, and, and Nicodemus, they said, you know what? I just wish Jesus, I, I'm sure that's what they, I just wish, I believe in him. I love him. You know, I, I believe he's a savior, but I just wish he would not do things like this. You know, I just want to be a secret disciple. I thought they both said, I just want to be a secret disciple. Have you ever been that place? I just want to be a secret disciple. You're sitting around your dinner table, some kind of situation. Uh, I thought Paula did a good job with the kids. I'm going to kind of do the same thing around the dinner table, and somebody starts talking in a way that you know they're expressing their opinion, but it's kind of going beyond their opinion. It's going to a place where you see it's not just funny, and it's not just uh, uh, you know. It's getting to a place where it's getting degraded. And you're sitting there and, and you're watching this happen. You're thinking, somebody's got to say something. Somebody's got to, you know, somebody's got to draw the boundary here. And you're watching it go down. Now, I don't want to do that because if I do that, I'm, this is not going to be good. And you're, you know, and you get into that place where you're going to go back and, and forth. And you sit there and you're thinking, you know what? I just want to be a secret disciple. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> or you get to a place in business. And there's a practice in your business that's, that's tremendously profitable. But you look at it, and as a person, you know, well, it may be tremendously profitable, but maybe it's uh, a little bit um, questionable. Maybe it's unethical. Maybe it's even illegal. But, you know, who's going to stand up? Who's going to talk? You know, it's profitable. I just want to be a secret disciple. Or there's a situation in our community. And you look at it and you say, golly, that touches my heart. Somebody's got to do something about that. I want to tell you, as soon as something touches your heart and you say, somebody's got to do something about that, you know what that is? I want to let you know. That's God calling you to do something about that. That's what that is. 
When you say somebody's got to do something, it's like, okay, <laughs> that's really what's happening in that. Yeah, but God, you, you don't understand, God. It's going to take me out of my comfort zone. It's going to take me to places that I'm not, you know, I've never been there before and meet people I've never been around before. And I'm going to be in a spot that is just, you know, I don't know. I just want to be a secret disciple. That's just three examples. You can make up your own. But you, you see what I'm saying? There's this tension there that's in our lives. As, as we come into this tension, it's, it's, it's a hard place to be. It's a difficult place to be a secret disciple. But yet, friends, I want to let you know, we can't be secret disciples. That strategy does not work. And here's why it doesn't work. Two things. First is character. Character is who you are. Character is who I am. Character is made up of what you believe on the inside and how you behave on the outside. What you, when what you believe on the inside and how you behave on the outside, when those two things match up, that's what they call integrity. That's what they call authenticity. And when we live into that, there's a sense of being alive. No matter how much risk is involved in that, there's a sense of being alive in that when what's on the inside and what's on the outside are matching up. Man, that, that's powerful. It's powerful in so many ways, and it's powerful as a Christian. And is powerful for witness for Jesus Christ. That alignment. And when what's happening on the inside and what's happening on the outside are out of alignment, when the two don't match up, when my devotion and my demonstration, when, when they're not the same, I want to tell you, God goes to work. And here's the way God goes to work. It's your conscience. It's my conscience. It's the Holy Spirit. It's where God says, hey, you know what you're doing here on the inside? What you're doing? It's not, it's not linking up. you got to get back in alignment. And I think the Holy Spirit kind of works on me, works on you to kind of get it back into alignment, get it back into character, get it back in that place where, you, where we come alive and where we grow strong and where we, we have that witness. You know, and sometimes I hear that, and maybe you're like this too, and I say, yo, God, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, you know, but, you know, conscience should be leading us to confession and repentance, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I just stay out of alignment. What happens when you drive a car out of alignment? Is it a good ride? <laughs> no, it's not a good ride, is it? I mean, every, I want to say every mile, every 10, it's a bad ride. It's an awful ride. And what happens to your tires? They wear out. And then you have a blowout. And then where do you end up? On the side of the road. I mean, what happens you when you start doing things out of alignment? The ride is not good. Life is not good. You wear out. Because what's here and what's there is not the same. And then you just, at the end of the day, you're gonna, you end up on the side of the road. And so what what's happens here is that it kind of circles around and says, first reason it's hard to be a secret disciple, that's kind of out of, it's, it's out of character. It's, it's not in alignment. I mean, what happens in being a disciple is that we're called into the world to make a difference. Disciple and making a difference, those two things go together. So first thing, it's about character. Second thing, it's about kingdom. 
The second reason why being a secret disciple doesn't work, it's about kingdom. Because I believe that part of what happens when God puts us into those places where a word needs to be said, where an action needs to be taken, God is putting us into those places. God is saying that you and I are the person in that moment, in that situation, to speak that word of truth, to speak that word of love, to do that action that makes a difference so that the kingdom can come right there, right then. You know, we talk about incarnation, that the word made flesh, the kingdom is made flesh. And the kingdom is made flesh in Jesus Christ. And then the kingdom is made flesh in those who believe in Jesus Christ. And we all said Christianity has credibility. And we all said that we're intrigued and interested in Jesus. And we all said that we believe his teachings are a pathway of truth. And, and so what he does is he puts us in that situation where we say, you know what? This is how we can step into those moments. In those moments, you are God's person. You are God's woman. You are God's man. You are the one who is there to think creatively, to think the kingdom thoughts, the bigger thoughts. Because you believe. Because I believe. We are the ones who are there to speak the word of compassion. Which is truth. Which is grace. It's the balance of both. And you and I are there to be the ones who act with service. In the need of the neighbor. And for the sake of the higher good. And so Jesus puts us into that place so that you and I can make those kind of differences, a kingdom difference. And I love the way that this story ends in the scripture this morning, because what happens in this story is that Joseph and Nicodemus, they go from being secret disciples to being sharing disciples, to stepping out and to stepping up. And the way you begin to see that is they watch Jesus die on that cross. And when they watch Jesus die on that cross, something began to happen in them where they said, you know what, we have been afraid, but we can't be afraid any longer. And so they went to Pilate and they said, Pilate, we need to take down his body. And this is the middle of the afternoon now, folks. And they took his body off the cross in the middle of the afternoon and they, you know, carry him away. And everybody's watching. And they dress him up in the linens and in, in the myrrh, you know, in the spices. And then they bury him in the tomb. And everybody is watching. It is not under the cover of night. It's in broad daylight. And you see what just happened. They went from being secret disciples to being disciples who were known, who shared, who lived into the truth. And the way that happened for them they focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is the way that happens. Because sometimes, I tell you, you come along and you look at the risks and you look at what everybody's going to say and what everybody else is going to think and you, you think about all that stuff and it just muddles up your mind. And when that starts muddling your mind, what the scripture says this morning, is start looking at the cross. Start looking at the cross. Start looking at the way Jesus goes all the way for me, all the way for you, and then let that begin to help us figure out when we're on that line from private to public how far we're going, how far I'm going, how far you are going. And I'll tell you what that will do is wherever you find yourself on that line, he will pull you down. (laughs) He'll pull you down the line, and that's important. That's important because being a secret disciple, it, it doesn't work. What we are here to do, friends, is to know Jesus 
and to make Jesus known. We are here to know Jesus, and we are here to make Jesus known. It's the way of the cross. It's the road of the cross. It's the gift of God to you and to me in Christ. 